1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too.
2: On old Olympus towering
0: top, a Finn and German viewed a hop. (laughs) Only overgrown orangutans try to aggravate fat vagrants getting vodka and hamburgers. Old octopus
2: (laughs) occasionally tries trigonometry and feels very gloomy, vague and hyperactive.
0: This is the best one. Oh, oh, oh. To touch and feel, very good velvet, ah, heaven. Welcome everybody to a very strange and poetic episode of Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's medical podcast. Today we're going through the cranial nerves, Matthew. Nerves and, of the cranium. And what were we just doing then, apart from being quite poetic and talking crap?
2: Um, we were doing mnemonics, an easier way to remember the 12 paired Yep. Cranial nerves.
0: That's right. So when I say OOO oh, 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 to touch and feel very good velvet, the first letter of each one of those words corresponds to the first letter of each of the 12 pairs of cranial nerves.
2: Yeah, so in, in humans,
0: yeah, probably
2: mammals, we have 12 paired cranial nerves.
0: So so one either side. That's right. Coming out of the brain. Yeah,
2: uh, mm, yeah. brain, brain stem would Mid-brain. be more accurate.
0: Pons, medulla, all of them?
2: Well, that's a brainstem.
0: Well, (laughs) just showing off,
2: that's all. I know three words. Okay, so yes, if you're a fish, you might have 17, but we're not. We're a mammal, so we have 12 cranials. 17?
0: What are the other five? I think they blend into other areas. Okay. Stop asking questions. So, sorry. Asking questions you don't know more like it. Should we say what each one of those. Let us stand for O-O-O.
2: Alright, so you do your mnemonic and okay. I'll
0: correspond
2: with the... Um, First
0: word, Oh.
2: Uh, olfactory.
0: Oh Optic. Oh
2: <laughs> Oculomotor.
0: Two. <laughs> I forgot what it was. O-O-O, two. Trochlear. Touch.
2: Trigeminal. And. Abducens. Feel. Facial. Very. Vagus. Good. Glossopharyngeal. Velvet. Go back. Go yeah, back. Yeah, no, I First knew you <laughs> bucketed that one up. First V, yeah. vestibulococular. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. G, good. Uh, glossopharyngeal. Velvet. Vegas. <laughs> R. Accessory.
0: Heaven. Hypoglossus. You should have written it down instead of trying to do it free willy style off the top of your head. Free willy. Now, um, so they're the 12 pairs of cranial nerves. Mm. Now, what are the functions, but just generally, just generally speaking for all 12 pairs of cranial nerves, Yeah. what are they there for?
2: Where well, that, they are homologues to the spinal nerves, so they're equivalent of the spinal nerves of your body. So they go, um, your spinal nerves innervate all the structures of your body, so muscles and skin. So sensory and motor. Yeah, so going into your head now, or supplying all the structures of your head, and to be accurate, neck, okay. These nerves are going to have either they're either going to be sensory, um, motor, mm. or mixed. So I got another mnemonic. Okay.
0: Okay. So if you write down, if you're a student you're trying to remember the twelve pairs of cranial nerves, and you write down O O O to touch and feel very good velvet R ah, heaven, just write down the first letter of each of those. So you're going to have O O O T T A F V G V A H. You can then write next to each of those words another word. Which is, some say, marry money, but my brother says, big brains matter most. Okay. And again, the first letter of each of those words corresponds to, it's either going to be S, M, or B.
2: Okay. So, sensory, motor, or both. Correct. Okay. Now, just to add one level of complexity to it, uh, in your head slash face, you have, outside sensory and motor, you have a a special, well, they are special,
0: special oh. sensory.
2: Yeah. So, they're localized only in the head and face. And that would be... So, they're sensory, very localized.
0: What type, what type of Yeah, well you,
2: you've already said one, so... Smell, okay. So, let's go. So, you got sight. Let's go. Sight. So, that's visual. Yep. Smell. Okay. Hearing. Hearing, okay. Okay. The... Well, in other animals, they call it the lateral line, which is um, f- apparently fish taste on their body.
0: They taste on their body. Yeah, so
2: their body actually
0: tastes for them. So the body is a tongue. Yeah,
2: I guess so. But for what us...
0: they taste in the water around Yeah, there.
2: and I guess... <laughs> <potentially>, <laughs> move, movement as movement, well. Movement, okay. So movement and chemicals, I guess.
0: Also so like reverberations throughout the water.
2: Yeah, and so that's now kind of localized up into a hmm. funny looking thing that sits in our mouth called the tongue. Or the glossus. Glossus. Okay, which would make sense with some of the nerves a bit later. Yeah, okay. Um, and so you've got taste as well, but you also have, which I think you said first, olfaction, which mm. is... Sense of smell. Smell, And in many animals, um, it's very important for reproduction as well. Really? Not the nose per se. Okay. I <laughs> it's not a reproductive <laughs> organ. <laughs> <laughs> but they do help... It's to their own. Um, ...for mating and so forth. All right. That's why, you know, um, they, dogs smell each other's bums and so forth.
0: Is that part of mating? Uh, Other than I thought it was just it's getting to know you. I remember the first time I met you. Had <laughs> <laughs> <Not laughs> a good sniff.
2: I knew that was going to happen.
0: <laughs> All right. So, let's, uh, should we start at the first cranial nerve and talk about the anatomy, then talk about the physiology, and then talk about whether it's sensory or motor or both, and then how we can test it clinically?
2: Yeah, and any kind of clinical correlates that go with it. Perfect. So, I think that probably makes the most sense, just to move through. Um so as I said earlier, um, cranial nerve one, the cranial nerves are just, they're still peripheral nerves, so yeah. they're still, so th- actually this is a good point, because many students, well my students anyway, and yeah. that could be just my teaching, yeah. <laughs> but because it's in the skull, yeah, they get confused, they think, think it's the central. central nervous system, gotcha. but it's not. It's outside the brain, or outside the spinal
0: cord. Well or, you made the statement, it's a homologue of the spinal nerves, which yeah. are peripheral.
2: That's right. So cranial nerves are peripheral nerves, but they're basically what's happened is in the early vertebrates, some of them were outside the skull, okay. But as we've the moved, cranial nerves, yeah, really, because they were spinal nerves. Oh yeah. Um, but as we've moved into higher order vertebrates like mammals, they've now been taken back into the skull. So okay. they've gone back in. Okay. So that is why some of the cranial nerves, particularly the latter ones actually fuse with the cervical spinal nerves. Ah. Okay. So, they actually jump on. And so, you would see, let's say, um, the accessory nerve, number 11. Number 11. It has two parts to it. It has a cranial part and a, a spinal part. Yeah. And if you want to test the spinal part. Shoulder shrug. Right. So, it's doing muscles of the trunk almost or
0: the neck. Nice. Does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's start at number one. All right. So, we can have a, a nice sort of a, 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 a approach to how we're going to... Get through the anatomy, physiology, and, and, and clinical correlates of each of these nerves. Cranial nerve one, known as the olfactory nerve.
2: Okay, and so olfaction is sense of smell, smelling. Yeah. So the olfactory nerve is a nerve that um, because it, well it's sensory, so it's got an S with
0: it. Yep. So that's some from some say make yep. money. So
2: this nerve is all about bringing a type of sensation into your brain. Yep. Well, actually, let's... With this... The f- technically, the first two t- cranial nerves aren't real cranial nerves. They actually Ugh. are extensions of brain.
0: Right. Even okay. though you just said... I know, I know. Peripheral nerves, not part of the brain. Well, they are part of the brain, but they're extensions of...
2: Yeah. So, if you want to be highly accurate and anal as an anatomist, mm. they would say the first two aren't typical cranial nerves.
0: All right. So, but, a- as wait. an anatomist, just yeah. so... Okay. So, people have... It's obviously good to listen to this podcast while maybe you've got a picture of the of uh, the brain with the cranial nerves coming off. What's the best way to view the cranial nerves anatomically? Is it an inferior view to to look at the brain from underneath? Is that the best way to view the cranial nerves?
2: Yeah, I think that's traditionally how it would be done. Like, so you the brain's been pulled out yep. and viewed from underneath. Yes. And you can, I think, Bar in maybe one, you can see them all because okay. they're kind of mostly all coming off ventrally.
0: Now, the fact that they're numbered from one to 12, yeah. are they numbered like this for any particular, uh, are they numbered in this order for any particular reason?
2: I think mostly they will be moving from uh, cranial to caudal. Meaning or, front
0: to back or uh, back to front?
2: No, m- from top of the head down, down to the so, It's difficult because in neuroanatomy, it's not accurate to say superior, inferior. It's kind of... Yeah, it makes sense. It's kind of like front superior to back from head to tail inferior. Yeah. Because in the embryo it kind of curls up. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Okay, so But I
2: I think it does move from um, the top of the brain and moves down the brain stem, so it goes midbrain, pons and then medulla. And then once you're in the the pons, it kind of goes ventral dorsal and then in the in the medulla. It kind of, it's a bit confusing, but it kind of. All right, of so has everyone turned off?
0: Now? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, that's yeah, in, okay, so, so yes, simply.
2: I- inferior. I so, think that's So, the one. first
0: cranial nerve, which we're going through, which is the olfactory, is going to be most superior, even though you said it's not the most appropriate term, and anterior. And the last cranial nerve, which is the hypoglossal nerve, yeah. or hypoglossus, is the most inferior posterior. Yeah, I'd probably probably go with that. Okay, we'll stick there. All right, olfactory sense of smell. Now, you said it's a sensory. It makes sense because it's a sense of smell. What else can you tell us about it anatomically?
2: Well, it it is an extension out of the telencephalon. So, that is, I guess, what you'd call the higher brain. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's kind of an extension of that. And because it's sensory, it's probably more accurate to say it's going out in rather than... In, out. So, it's because sensory... Afferent. Afferent signals to the brain, not away from the brain. So, its receptors itself are located in the kind of top of your nose. So, if you were to put your finger in your nose... Doing it. And push push it as high up and kind of... Doing it. Back as you can. Yep. That location where your finger is now. Should I
0: be wrist deep? Is this possible?
2: (laughs) Well, you do have a fairly...
0: Small hand or big nose, <laughs> or both. Um,
2: that's kind of where the receptors would be. And I think also medial, medial septum as well. So that's kind of that thing that separates separates the nostrils.
0: So you're saying this is where the en- nerve endings for olfactory nerve sit? Well, the receptors. The receptors. Don't they sit through a bony plate? Well, they have to go through that, yeah.
2: But they're sitting in the mucosa of your nose. Yes. Of, you know, that stuff that makes the mucus.
0: But you can't physically touch them when you put your fingers as high up as possible. Uh, I ju- don't know. I would say stuff, probably no. You, no. Can't.
2: you can't. Okay. Just let you know. Now, look, let's just pause one second here. Yeah. We, we, both Michael and I, we actually do research in a group in this area. Yes, so we do. We, I'm more peripheral nerve research. Michael did a lot of his early research in Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. But we're both in a lab now that do um, look at certain stem cells from the nose for... Nerve, or um, neuronal regenerate, re- regeneration. Yeah, and it's not the it's not the smelling nerves. It's the the nerves that support these smelling neurons.
0: So the yeah. glial cells, the, the helping cells. the helping cells called olfactory and sheathing cells. Yeah.
2: So um, some of the ENT surgeons that we work with will actually take a biopsy from this part we're just talking about now. That kind of will shoot a punch biopsy into the top part of the nose, olfactory mucosa, and pull out. Uh, more the glial cells than the nerve
0: cells. Yes. Now these nerve cells, the, now the r- people are probably asking why do we, uh, why are we looking at cells from the nose for regenerative therapies? Well, if you think about it, every single day you're smelling stuff. Now, not all the things you're smelling are nice roses. Some are quite noxious, and some are quite damaging. And on a daily basis, you destroy the neurons in your nose. And a lot of people think that once a neuron's dead, it's gone forever. Well, mm. that's Quite true centrally for your central nervous system, but for the neurons in your nose, they regenerate on a daily basis. And so, we're trying to take these neurons and the cells that support these neurons and use its or exploit its regenerative uh, characteristics Mm. for spinal cord regeneration. Mm. And that's what the Australian of the Year, Alan McKay-Sim, was the award for.
2: He kind of...
0: Pushed this forward.
2: Yeah, and started a lot of this research, right? Yeah. So, um, to get back onto the nerve itself... Yes. These are kind of axonial projections into the nasal mucosa, but their central axons then have to go up through the skull because the nose, uh, if you feel it, has a kind of a cartilage area. Yeah. And then it goes into a bony area. Yeah. And that bony area is now moving into the inside of the skull where the brain is, right? Now, the point of where... You have the nerves going into the nose to where they go back into the skull, is a plate in the ethnoid bone. Okay. And they've got little minute holes in it. Like, I don't know how you just grow it like that.
0: They're pores. It's just a porous bone. Okay. Good. (laughs)
2: Better than I would have explained. So these small little nerve filaments project through this cribriform plate and now up into the. Not quite the brain yet, but a bulb on each side. So, you have one bulb for the left nostril and... Um, What's the bulb do? Well, that's where you have the first synapse, so the first communication between yeah. that nerve and the next nerve that's going to okay. go to the brain. Yeah. And so, then basically... So, once you're saying that when...
0: <laughs> I take a sniff in and all these chemicals are coming into my nares, my nose, and these chemicals will touch these nerve endings of the olfactory nerve, the receptors. It's going to stimulate these nerve endings, send an action potential, which we've done a podcast on. It will go from the nose through this cribriform plate, so through this bony plate with holes in it, go to the olfactory bulb, which is a little bit higher than that, synapse with the second neuron, and then that will go into the brain and we'll be aware that we've smelt something in particular.
2: Yeah. So, I, I guess it's p- important to point out that the receptors that are picking up this, the sense of smell are probably chemoreceptors, a type of chemoreceptors, that when uh, is uh, a chemical an odorant, sensor. which is a type of chemical, I guess, floats through into your nose, sits on one of these receptors and stimulates it. Yeah. And then... Um, but to do this, it's got nothing to do with the odorant. It's just... Bind into the receptor to stimulate the action potential. Yeah. So technically, to to test this nerve. So if you went to a doctor, and they wanted to do a neurological examination on you, they would do these 12 cranial nerves, mm. right? But just to get this, so if the doctor gave you a scent, a smell to smell, just the fact that you can smell it is means that the olfactory nerve is patent. But if you got the smell wrong, so let's say I gave you vanilla and you said it was coffee, that's more of a, a, an issue with your brain processing it. Yes. Not the nerve. So if the still nerve still smelling something... Smell or not smell. That's
0: right. To smell or not Now, just to further clarify that point about clinical testing, um, the types of smells that you would use to test whether somebody has lost their sense of smell or not, which is called anosmia, if you lose your sense of smell, uh, soft, musks, floral ketone-like smells. You don't use harsh smells like ammonia uh, because they're noxious and what they can sometimes do is accidentally trigger the nerve endings of the fifth cranial nerve which is called the trigeminal nerve and because it's noxious it may stimulate the trigeminal nerve and you may think or you may have the perception that you're smelling something when in actual fact it's a false positive stimulating cranial nerve five so it has to be florally ketone nice soft musky sense yeah if you want to do it properly now let's just say you do this and the patient can't smell anything doesn't mean that cranial nerve has an issue with it matt
2: is that a question to There's me? It's a question
0: to you. Matt, if if you do this and you put a floral scent under a patient's okay. nose and they don't smell anything, does that mean that there is damage to that cranial nerve?
2: Well, I, I guess you wouldn't jump to that conclusion straight away. They might Correct. have some issues with their nose, like they might have a cold. Yes. Or they might have polyps.
0: Could have polyps?
2: Um, probably other things.
0: You would also probably ask the patient uh, if they've had a head knock recently. What do you reckon? Oh,
2: well, with that cribriform plate, that bony porous plate, as you mentioned... The nerves go through it, so if you whack that, so if your forehead gets hit, mm. so it can shear those nerves off.
0: Yeah, so just like if you were to put cheese in a grater and then you were to shift the grater, you can shear off those nerve endings and uh, you can lose your sense of smell. Mm. And it's sometimes called surfers anosmia because surfers sometimes get knocked in the head with their surfboard. And uh, they can present at the doctors and go, I can't smell anything, and they'll say, Did you have a head knock recently? And they go, Yeah, I did. I think can't remember. Um, or it could, you know, you said I did Parkinson's research early on in my career. True. Uh, one of the earliest signs of Parkinson's disease is a uh, a loss of uh, the sense of smell, anosmia.
2: And that goes with other neurodegenerative stuff too. Yeah, right?
0: yeah, it's really interesting. You can lose your sense I mean, of smell dementia. up to up to ten years prior to any other clinical manifestations. Interesting. Um, We should probably leave that.
2: And the final point I think we should just make with that head trauma, because the cribriform plate is sealed off from the outside world to the brain by your meninges with a rupture or a damage to that plate, it can also cause the CSF from your brain. What's that? Cerebral spinal fluid, the clear fluid, to come through into your nose. So you might have a patient that has had a head knock and then you have fluid running through their nose. And that's CSF. Which they may mistake for just the runny nose. Oh, could actually be CSF. Gross. And one final point, sorry.
0: Yeah, no, let's let's An, spend forty minutes. On another, the old <laughs> another
2: um group in our group, subgroup what? in our group. Oh, of yeah, research, our research group, yeah. They they're looking at how some infections may go up through the nose into yes. the brain. Yes. Like meningitis or encephalitis, right? Yes. <laughs> <You're> close <laughs> bacteria viruses so forth yeah okay good olfactory done
0: done number two one okay the second f- O of O O O so this is
2: optic and that should the name should give you some idea where yes. it's going the ear <laughs> <laughs> so optic eye so this is the next part of the brain down this is coming from the
0: diencephalon the die, not the, the tel not the telencephalon no, the telencephalon is which a is the center. yeah
2: um, diencephalon is going to be more like the thalamus, hypothalamus, that kind of region. Gotcha. Okay. So a deeper part of the brain, deeper part. Yeah. Yep. So the old factory again, is this extension of that area. Olfactory it, or optic. Sorry, optic. Yep. And it's all about sensory, but it's a special sensory because you don't have a visual input anywhere else in your body.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So it's specialized in that sense. Okay. Yep. So. Yep. Sh- my turn. <laughs> yes, go for it. So I was just going to say, if you want to test it, should we go straight to t- anything else you want to say before we start talking about testing? Since it's a specialized sensory nerve, you want to, there's sort of four separate tests that you can do with it. You test the field, you test the fundi, uh, test the acuity, you test the pupils. So basically, if you want to test the field, so again, you t- you're testing... How, uh, how good this nerve is at picking up visual input, basically. So, first one testing the field, field of view. Stand in front of the patient. You stand there and you basically just randomly wiggle your fingers, but you do it in the four fields of view. You know, top right, top left, bottom left, bottom right. Yeah. And you have two hands up at once and you just randomly w- get them to just look at you and hopefully they can see which fingers are being wriggled in their periphery. And you mm-hmm. just ask them to point at whatever fingers are being wriggled. So that's to test that point of, uh, that field of view. Now, if that patient isn't cooperating with you and they don't want to do this, they don't want to point at the fingers that are wiggling, you can do what's called a uh, the menace test which basically you walk up and you sort of pretend as though you're going to punch them in the face and you stop just before you hit them in the face. It's virtually impossible to not blink when okay. this is happening. Okay? And so, that's another way. They yeah. So, I think
2: with this nerve, can we... Before we continue with the clinical, yeah, can go we just for it. talk about the anatomy?
0: Yeah, that's what I asked before.
2: Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> so, each eyeball... Yeah. Okay. If you cut it in... not Not literally. Yeah. But if you, were to cut, if you were to cut it in half vertically, and each eyeball had a right and left half, mm-hmm. okay, the medial, so the one closest to the nose, half, would that portion of the eyeball that would receive visual input, would actually cross to the other side of the brain. Yes. Okay. Whereas the outside part, the one closest to your ear, would stay on the same side to, to your brain.
0: So, can I reiterate that? Yeah. In the podcast I did, that really fantastic podcast I did with Grant. Without me. Without you, we spoke about um, uh, the split brain experiment and we spoke about how if you show an image to an individual in their right field of view, so that just means the right field of view for both eyes, it goes to the left-hand side of the brain if you show something in the left field of view of both eyes it goes to the right hand side of the brain which shows that the signal crosses over yeah. so the left field of view of both eyes will go to the right hand side and the right field of view of both eyes will go to the left hand side so it does cross over it's not whatever is in the right eye goes to the left and whatever is in the left eye goes to the right it's the field of view yeah
2: and so that's just telling you that's just telling you that each eye will get uh, and send images to Both parts of the brain. Yeah. Okay. So, when you're testing the field of view... Yeah. ...if there was lesions on this nerve, Mm -hmm. there's going to be different deficits depending on where the lesion is. So, if you had a lesion right directly on the nerve behind the eyeball, the whole eye would be essentially blind. So, you wouldn't have any input. Okay. Now, if you go back a bit further, so a bit deeper in the brain... There's a point where the, all the fibres cross over. So, you have some that will go the The chiasm, yeah, which is the cross part. That actually sits right in front of the pituitary gland. Mm-hmm. So, patients who have a pituitary tumour, it can push against the chiasm, okay, which then is going to cause problem with the way that the, the crossover points occur. Okay. And so, if you would imagine... If you've got on the left eye, it's bringing signals from the nose half of the left eye and it's bringing on the right eye, the nose part of the right eye across to each side. But just to make it more confusing, Mm. the nose half of your eye actually gets vision from the temporal side of the outside world because the way that the light comes in through your eye kind of, what's the word, refracts or something? Yeah. And so, a person would present with kind of tunnel vision. Yeah. So, if a person comes to the doctor and says, Hey, doc, I keep running into the door frame, it's because they don't see their peripheral vision anymore. Yeah. And so, that's potentially due to a lesion or uh, an issue with the chiasma, okay. the crossing over point. Does right. that make sense? Yeah,
0: it makes sense. Okay. Um, anything else about the anatomy? And then it
2: kind of, from that chiasm, it then reflects back as an optic tract, which then goes into the diencephalon, and then can go into other um, strange areas like, it's not really strange, but areas of like, say, so the midbrain. Yeah, and so that's such a
0: strange area of the midbrain.
2: <laughs> um, where you might also have uh, auditory input, and that's why sometimes you have a, um, a reflex, mm. so they have a visual auditory reflex, where if you hear a really loud sound... You see a bright light. But you will
0: directly look at it. What about synesthesia? You heard the term synesthesia? Crossing over. Crossing over from different sensory inputs. So some people can hear a loud noise and they'll see a bright light. Mm. Or some people may um, uh, see a particular color and taste a particular type of food. I know it's got nothing to do with this particular. (laughs) No, I just think synesthesia is a very interesting field of research.
2: Okay, so the, oh, that's it for me for anatomy. So right. clini- clinical, you already said about the visual fields. I think we're yeah. done with that.
0: Yeah, but what we can do is you can also... So I said visual f- fields, but you can also use an ophthalmoscope and have a look into the eye and actually look at the nerve, the optic yeah, nerve. Yeah, so the back of the back of the eye. Yeah, so you look at like color and contours and and you can even have a look to see if there's signs of increased intracranial pressure. Like if it, it bulges out or something. Because right? it, well, it bulges out, but also if you look at it, it... It should look a bit white, mm. right? But if it looks very pink, it's a good indication that there's increased intracranial pressure. Oh, there you go. So, and so a lot of these would be done um, if you
2: just go to your ophthalmologist. Mm. Um, ophthalmologist.
0: Now, what is it? Ophthalmologist. Ophthalmologist. Yeah.
2: What's the specialist though?
0: Yeah, ophthalmology.
2: But what's the... what's The person who gives you glasses? Optometrist? Yeah. Optometrist. <laughs> Sorry. So most of us... Um, who have glasses like myself? Would Not go really. To the optometrist, twenty twenty baby, just to check your acuity. Yeah, but they would also check some eye health. So they would look, presumably, at your optic disc, which is the back of your nerve. Yeah, to see these changes that you just right. mentioned, and if there's swelling or
0: something. Um, so we said field of view. We said you can have a look at the nerve itself and look at the disc. Um, you can also do the pupillary response, right? Yeah, and
2: well, the, the other one as well is. I think before that even, would be just if you've got 20-20 vision. Yeah, acuity. Yes, so just absolutely. looking at a, a chart, right? Yes. Now, would you do both eyes together or would you...
0: Do them separately because yeah. how do you know, right? How okay. do you know which is which one's been affected, if yeah. they've been affected? Now, okay, again, so last one, yep. Yeah, the pupillary reflex. Basically, take a light. You'll cover the patient's eye or at least cover one eye so that the light only shines into one particular eye. Um, what you should see is a... Typical reflex in which the pupil, obviously, when there's a lot of light, the pupil constricts to reduce the amount of light coming in. Mm. And if there's a lot, if there's less light, the pupil should dilate. So, when you shine a light very quickly into, let's just say, the left eye, that left pupil should constrict. But the interesting thing is, even though you're uh, hiding the right eye from the light, the right pupil should also constrict. So, you should get this bilateral pupillary constriction, even though you shine the light only in one eye, right? And why is that? Because of that chiasma. Very good. Because it's so crossing over. So, each eye will cross over to the other side. So, this this, this and is important. And, and um, isn't there... You should probably know this. Doesn't the signal also rely upon the third cranial nerve? the yeah, that's right. Oculomotor. I was, I was about to say that, yeah. And so even it, some of the parasympathetic fibres?
2: So, it's only testing when you do the light reflex, which is a very common test um, in emergency. So, a person's coming with some kind of trauma. They just want to make sure neurologically they're sound. So, one of the first tests that they'll do is, neurologically, is the light reflex. So, they will, uh, I think in the ED setting, they won't cover the other eye. They'll just shine it in the, say, the left, look at both, and then go to the right, look at both. And so, the reason what this reflex, we know by reflex, it has a sensory and a motor component. The light reflex is actually tensing, te- testing. Yeah, testing the sensory part gotcha. of the optic. Yeah, because the motor part, the pupil constriction, is the next nerve, which we can do now. Okay, next nerve. You'd, so, oh, yeah.
0: Okay. Oh, third O.
2: So the ne- next one is o, o ocular motor, and it should give you in its name that it's
0: moving the eye. <laughs>
2: <laughs> motor, motor, motor.
0: Um, so movement. Now, should we? I didn't ask you this before the podcast, but should we? Because we're looking at eye movement now, there's actually three cranial nerves that sort of focus on eye movement. Yep. That's cranial nerve three, four, and six, yep. which is oculomotor, trochlear, and abducens. Yep. Should we do them all together? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Okay. So, firstly, do you want to talk about the anatomy of all three? And then we'll talk about how they all work together to allow for the eye to move left, right, up, down, so forth. Yeah. Okay. So, go. Uh, ocul- Quick,
2: go. Go. Oculomotor three. Is three. Yep. uh, Ocular. And you said it's motor. Motor movement. Yep. So, it's the big mover of the eye. Uh, It's the only, yes, it's the only nerve, no, wrong actually. Yep. It comes from the Mm midbrain. So, this is the first superior aspect of the brainstem. Okay. It comes from the ventral surface of it and it has two parts to it. It's got the big motor portion, but it's also got the parasympathetic, which we did last week. So, oh, the parasympathetic portion, which is called the Edinger-Westphal nucleus. Oh, yeah. I remember that. that is bringing parasympathetic function to the eye itself. Which would be lacrimation. And no, as,
0: you said it's not lacrimation. I made that exact same mistake last week. It's the pupil Constrict,
2: contraction. Can, yeah, that's right. And it's also accommodation or change in lens. Yeah. So, um, that's oculomotor. So, that's coming from the front part or the ventral part. Of the midbrain. To the eye, it's allowed to move, yep. Moving down to trochlea, which means pulley. Trochlea is pulley.
0: This is cranial nerve four. Four, yep. And again, it's motor.
2: It's motor. So, this is an interesting one. This is the only true nerve that comes from the back of the brainstem. Okay. Okay. Now,
0: interestingly... I hope it is.
2: (laughs) Why is this important? I've always asked, well, why would you have a nerve that oddly comes from the back and all the rest comes from the front? Again, going back to the earlier animals.
0: Because we had eyes on the back of our head.
2: We have the third eye. So oh, animals, shut up. So, animals have the third eye.
0: What are you which, talking about? <laughs>
2: which is the pineal gland. Oh, okay? here we go. So, the pineal gland. That's a hippie, gland, everyone. The pineal <laughs> is actually biologically sound. The pineal gland, um, for us, has lost, well, as far as I think we know, has lost its... Um, visual receptors. Would that be the right word? Photoreceptors. Photoreceptors. Yeah. But if you go to some of the lower verte- vertebrates, um, the pineal gland will actually still have photoreceptors, like birds. Yes. So that drives their circadian rhythm. That's right. And so light actually comes through birds' skull, not only through their eyes, but through their skull onto the pineal gland. And helps release really melatonin. That's and right. And the trochlear nerve moves that eye Or that focus.
0: The trochlear nerve can move our pineal gland.
2: Not a pineal gland, but a thing that focuses, I believe, um, the light onto the pineal gland. But not for us. Not for us. It's then migrated to the eye. So the
0: trochlear, just just to clarify with people who now want to espouse the importance of our third eye, um, the trochlear (laughs) nerve does not any longer control the pineal gland for us. Not that, not that
2: I'm aware of, anyway. Don't think so. But the eye,
0: yeah, will send light to
2: the pineal gland. Oh, absolutely. And that gives you the circadian rhythm,
0: but uh, helps with the circadian rhythm. That's right. So melatonin release: yeah, yeah. more light, less melatonin; less light, more yeah. melatonin. That's so why it's very important that prior to going to bed, a couple of hours, don't use your iPad, don't use your phone, don't use the TV, because that light stimulates the pineal and reduces the amount of melatonin. Does not make you tired. Yeah. Turn those yep. lights off, especially blue lights. Interestingly enough, blue lights okay. r- really love to inhibit melatonin. Anyway, besides so that,
2: the so I thought that was interesting. Did you?
0: <laughs> no, no, I absolutely think that's interesting. Yeah, yeah that's super so, interesting. So the trochlear nerve now. I didn't know that sp- birds had transparent skulls.
2: Yeah, so that's like so. If you go into poultry science, yeah, and you want to get which good, is my favorite science. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if you want to get good efficiency out of the chooks, you would put their last the light cycle. In eight-hour cycles rather than, say, the natural 12. Oh. And so you can get one and a half eggs per day. Not not obviously one and a half.
0: That is... Is that common practice?
2: I would, I would assume it would be because, you know, from a uh, business point of view, you want to get the most eggs out of your chickens, right?
0: What about from an ethical point of view? Is that another conversation? Well, that's
2: not definitely another conversation. But anyway, that's trochlear nerve. That's number four. Yes. Um, that's moving because it's in its name. Trochlea is... Pulley? pulley and Pulls it's the moving the superior oblique muscle to move your eye, which we'll do that in one yeah, second. Yeah, we'll do it a sec. Yeah. And then finally, Number six. the last nerve to go to your extraocular. So eye we're muscles. skipping five at the moment. Just skipping so five. Knows, yep. We go to abducens. In its name, it should give it away. Abducens or abduct to abduct Essentially, it means to take you, away. To take away. So if you take away, so you take away your eye. You're just moving it, <laughs> you're moving it away from the midline. This one so, takes it all out of your head. Yeah. So, if you were to look outwards, at least with one eye, Yeah. then So, you, laterally,
0: not medially. Laterally, yeah, that's right. Yeah.
2: And so, that's the abducens nerve.
0: Okay. So, cranial nerve three, four, and six are motor nerves, and they are respectively the oculomotor, trochlear, and Yeah. and they allow for all the eye movements.
2: That's right. And okay. so, when you go to the doctor, or the doctor's doing a physical at least a neurological physical...
0: It me cough. Oh, okay. They Neurologic. will
2: get you to follow their finger and they would almost draw this big H.
0: Look oh, they draw the H. Yes, 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 yes. So by drawing That's the right. H and the getting H you to maneuver.
2: follow, that would test all the muscles that will move your eyes in those planes.
0: So the H, meaning each end of the H starts in each of the four visual fields. Yeah. Top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right. Yep. And then you get them to follow the finger down that and across that H. Perfect. So... Perfect. So, Should so, we, so. Can
2: we just quickly do the muscles then?
0: Yeah, totally. Okay. okay. So, to move your eyeball, just think of a golf ball.
2: You have two muscles that kind of lie on top of it, one that lies at the bottom of it, and one on right and left, or medial lateral.
0: Okay? Uh, oh, there's one on both. Both medially, yeah. and and both laterally. And then you have
2: these strange um, pulley ones. Yeah, there's a lot of muscles. Oblique. Okay? So, you have... Um, and they and the They're called rectus, which I think just means straight. Yeah, rectus abdominis or rectum. Don't get that confused with your eye. No. Um, So you have the superior (laughs) golf ball. So you have your superior rectus. So that's a muscle that just pulls your eye straight up, looks straight up.
0: Okay. Okay. Superior rectus. Pulls your eye straight up, and that's controlled by cranial nerve three.
2: Three. And what would make sense to go with that is another muscle that sits on top of that still, which is called your levator palpebrae superioris, Jesus. which is moving your eyelid. Yeah. Because when you look up, you want to move your eyelid Oh yeah, up, that makes sense. Okay. So you're looking
0: up, so looking up, you're using that superior rectus, you're pulling the eye up via cranial nerve 3, yeah. but also using that superior muscle that sits on top of it, it's lifting your eyelid. That's right. So that's cranial nerve 3 as well? That's also. However,
2: it does have innervation by the sympathetic nervous system. Okay. By the facial nerve? No, it comes in by the carotid artery. So Christ. remember we did we did the sympathetic trunk? Yeah. Remember we spoke about the the cervical ganglion, yeah, the yeah. one that sits up in the neck? Oh, yeah. Right near the carotid? Yep. It brings its fibers up through. Which which fibers would it be? Some of them. Post-ganglionic. Ganglionic, right. Yes. So it's post the ganglion, yep. and it's bringing fibers up with the blood vessel to bring to your brain, and jumps on board with it, comes to this eye area, so if you have a sympathetic issue,
0: what will you get? Droopin, tosis, tosis, ptosis, ptosis. Yeah. ptosis. Yeah. silent P, <laughs> silent P, makes sense. Which I always do in the middle of the night, not to wake up my partner.
2: Close your eyelids.
0: No, silent P. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: Um, the other muscles. In- so, okay, because so, uh, uh,
0: look, this is super confusing. Yeah, it is a little bit. Um, especially over podcast so just to reiterate what you've just said you've said that to lift the eyes up
2: directly up straight up
0: straight up that's just cranial nerve three yeah okay next the other
2: one is if you want to go completely cross-eyed so bring your eyes right to look at your nose yeah you would need muscles to right on the medial surface of the eye which are called the medial rectus
0: and they they so they pull the eye inwards yeah that's also ocular motor Oh, so that's cranial nerve three as well. Okay.
2: Okay. And then you also have the inferior rectus, which yes. is the one at the directly the bottom of the eye. Yeah. Okay. And that would pull your eyes straight down. But laterally and down. No, just just straight down. I mean, if you isolated these muscles just on its own. Okay. Okay. That would pull the eye straight down. That's the inferior rectus. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, the the last muscle that the oculomotor will innovate, is the inferior oblique which is the pulley at the bottom of the eye, which should bring it uh, up and and in. In or out? Up and in. Okay. All right. I'll trust you on that. But definitely up. I'm just not sure if it's out or in. So Always get things mixed up. so, So that's all oculomotor. Yes. Okay. The next one is trochlear.
0: Should we just reiterate that? I think put
2: them, all the muscles in and then we can talk about how all you right, test them. All right. Next one is trochlea, which is number four. Mm. That's only innervating one muscle to the eye. Yeah. And that's the superior oblique. Yes. Which is kind of sits above the eyeball, but on a pulley. Yeah. And it, it's attached to the surface of the eye, which when you pull on the pulley, it causes the eye to actually go down. Which doesn't sound right, does it? No. But just the way it's holding onto the golf ball, Yeah. your eye. And with the pulley, yeah. it actually pulls the eye down
0: and in. That's right. Okay. So, so cranial nerve five, the trochlear... Four. Yep, that's what I said. <laughs> cranial nerve four, trochlear, pulls the eye down and in towards the nose. That's right.
2: Yep. And then finally... Mm-hmm. You've got the abducens. What do we say abducens is like? It means to abduct, to okay. take away
0: from the face. Yeah. So, so, that's going to innovate
2: the lateral rectus muscle, yep. which is on the outer part of the eyeball. And that's look make the eye look out. Look outwards. Now, I don't think many people could do... Both un- eyes. Yeah, both <laughs> Chameleon. <out>. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's both, like most people can do a cross-eyed, which is bring a medial rectus completely. But to yeah, bring it possible. both out, I think would be... Almost. I think some people would be able to do it. You reckon? But yeah, but I think most people... God. God, I get a
0: headache. All right, so... So, that's so, all them together. Yeah, okay. So, to simplify it, let's say that we gave an individual palsy of each one of these what nerves. What does palsy mean? Palsy just means to be paralyzed, in a sense. Okay. Um, so, it, n- nerve by nerve. So, let's just say we are inactivating cranial nerve three, ocular motor.
2: And that's got a lot of muscles there. It's
0: got a lot of muscles. So, basically... We said it goes up, it goes down, and it goes in, yep. which means what's going to happen is the affected eye, or the affected, because remember there's pairs of these cranial nerves, if one of the pairs of uh, oculomotor cranial nerve three is affected, the eye is going to turn down and outwards. Okay. Does that make sense?
2: Because you're going to have lateral rectus in there. That's, That's going right. to be dominating. Yes, and you're going to have superior oblique, which will be also
0: dominating. So all the other ones will be dominating. So the superior oblique pulls down, so that'll be dominating, and the la- and the lateral rectus pulls out, and that's going to be dominating. So you get the eye pulled down and out.
2: Okay. So if a person, uh, I'd presume this will be unilateral, so on one side only, compared to affecting both. Oculomotin. Yes. So presumably, it probably have some lesion. On its transverse from the
0: midbrain to on the, the... contralateral side. Or maybe in the br- midbrain if there's a tumour
2: in the midbrain maybe? Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: So contralateral means opposite. Ipsilateral means same yeah. side. Okay. All right. Okay. What if we had palsy of cranial nerve four, which is the trochlear nerve? So what did the trochlear nerve do? It's simply... Down and in. Down and in. So what happens is it's actually masked by the other nerves because it's all the other muscles. So more so what you get is the patient tilts their head. Okay. And so they'll sort of walk in with a tilted head, trying to uh, correct for the, I'm, um, issue. Okay. Towards or contralateral. So opposing, opposing the issue. Okay. All right.
2: And I think to to isolate that nerve, if you want to just check that nerve on its own, you would get the person to do a cross-eyed, mm-hmm. and then follow your finger straight down. That makes sense. And if they can't track downwards,
0: then yeah. There's that, that, a nerve issue there. Because chocolate pulls down and in it. All right, so uh, last one.
2: This one's fairly easy, I think.
0: Uh, cranial nerve six, which is abducens. You told us that it, it abducted it, so it took it away from the face, so it pulls the eye laterally. If that's paralyzed, then the eye's going to move in immediately. Yeah, so I think
2: uh, anecdotally, we've probably all seen some pa- people who have got an eye that's kind of looking in a bit more than the other. Yeah, I have seen that. So that could be... Maybe a weakness mm. of the lateral rectus, or it might be a nerve issue. Okay. Okay, that'd be much more easy to see straight off.
0: All right. Cranial um, nerve five. The,
2: the other uh, couple of things just to add to that. Oh yeah. Because the ocular motor also has parasympathetic. That's the motor portion of the pupil reflex. Oh, yeah, that's so right. So you yeah. shine light into the eye, and you would see pupil constriction not only on this that eye where you shine it, but contralaterally. And that, what is that
0: called? It's called pupillary <laughs> constriction. consensual. Consensual,
2: okay. Yeah, consensual. Okay. So, that's you've got to make sure you're checking both sides because yeah. if there's a deficit, you don't know if it's a sensory deficit or yeah. a motor deficit. Good point. So, you've got to check both. All right. What happens if there's double vision? So, if a person says, oh, you know, Is that Michael. Is diplopia? Diplopia. Yeah. Double vision.
0: As in, what nerve could it be affecting? So, it's, the way, it's
2: the way the eye's tracking so the eye muscles may be uncoordinated with each other. Yes. And that would cause two visual That makes sense. Okay. And that would generally get worse as it moves. Can also make the, the point
0: that when you're or if you are going to be doing this H manoeuvre yeah. and tracking the eye movement of the individual that you also look for a nystigmus. Yeah, very right? Right. That's right. and so there's this rule of thumb, which is basically if you get a horizontal nystigmus right. peripheral deficit. If you get a vertical nystigmus, central damage. Maybe. Rule of thumb, not always the case. So the
2: nystagmus are just kind of the eyes kind of shake. Yeah, they it's can, like a jittering.
0: They can kind of It go, doesn't move in a nice fluid, okay. smooth way, it sort of jars as it moves. Yeah. And that could be quite a quite complicated
2: motor issue. Well, yeah. So it could be a cerebellum problem, so the big the small part of your brain Well, this can, is
0: where that, that the rule of thumb doesn't it flies out the window, is if it's cerebellar. Um, and and
2: also um vestibule, which yeah. is your inner ear. Um, and this kind of, I think this feeds into also the difficulty of movement. And you saw that when you were on the boat the other day, oh. you had vestibular problems, you had visual problems, and you had your proprioception. And then you, <laughs> your body resulted gastrointestinal by intestinal problems. That's right.
0: That lasted a while.
2: All right, I think that's that's it. So yep. let's. So we've done forty-five
0: minutes w- down. We need to go to cranial nerve one, two, five.
2: Three, four and we have done six. Yes. Now let's go to five. This done. is the largest cranial nerve.
0: Well, what about the uh, vagus?
2: The vagus goes the furthest, but the biggest in diameter is this nerve.
0: Ah, and that's the trigeminal. And what does it mean? Uh, Tri means three. Geminal means? Uh, Twin? Does it? What, three twins? So
2: six? Well, technically it would be, right?
0: Because of pairs. That's a good point. Okay, so trigeminal tells you... It's
2: Gemini. What's Gemini. Gemini. Besides your first car you owned. Did drive a Gemini at
0: one point. I knew that. Um, I don't know. What is Gemini? See, I'm not up with uh, Star signs. astrology. I, th- I
2: thought you were. What is Gemini? And, th- and your third eye. Oh, God. Anyway, Michael's quickly looking that up. While yeah, I want to know what Gemini st- is. I'll start the anatomy. Uh, Gemini
0: about. is the third astrological sign of the Zodiac, originating from the constellation of Gemini. Under the tropical Zodiac, the sun trans. Oh, no, that's a bunch of crap. Um, It's got two owls here. Does it mean owl?
2: You just look it up quickly and I'll start with anatomy.
0: All right, go. All right, so the trigeminal nerve is uh, quite a large nerve. Did you know when a a Gemini man falls in love, it's hard to say how long it will last? Uh, That's just what the internet (laughs) says.
2: Okay, so this nerve has two main portions to it. It has a big sensory portion. Means
0: twins. Twins. Right, thanks. So, you were so right. I was right. Yeah, you're totally right. Good By on. the
2: way, I need to make a correction on myself. Um, apparently, uh, Galen was Greek. So Yeah. I, however, he did a lot of his practice in Rome, so that's where I got it mixed up. All right. So He's we're both Greek. right. He's a, he was hybridized.
0: He's <laughs> <laughs> hybridized. All right, trigeminal, go. So,
2: trigeminal is a big nerve that comes off the pons, the the front of the pons. The middle
0: part of the brainstem is the pons.
2: The pons is the bridge. The bridge. I like that. It's the bridge between a lot of things. Um, (laughs) Cool. (laughs) That helps people. Cerebellum into the cerebrum and then spinal cord up into the brain. That's the bridge, I think. All right. So, it's got a big sensory portion and a smaller motor portion. Okay, so...
0: So, it's both. It's both. So, but this is the first cranial nerve we'll come across that is both sensory and motor. Yeah. It's so, it's going to mixed. have afferent and efferent signals yeah, coming right. into the brain and coming out of the brain.
2: Now, in most cases, it has three big branches that you should be aware of. It has the ophthalmic. Yeah, meaning eye. eye. The maxillary.
0: Yeah. And the mandibular. What's the difference between maxillary and mandibular? Uh, the,
2: the region. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Where yeah. it goes? Yeah. So, the mandibular is mandible, so it's jaw. Yeah. Maxilla is your maxilla, so it's cheek area. And the ophthalmic is going towards the eye, but
0: it's kind of on your forehead. So, so, you could do like a, you could get your first three fingers, index finger, middle finger and ring finger, and just get those three as though you're showing somebody, you know, I want three of this. Okay. <laughs> and you put it across the side of your face and the index finger points towards the eye the um, middle finger points towards your nose and the ring finger points towards your bottom jaw. Yeah. And that's sort of how the trigeminal moves across your face, right?
2: Yeah, more or less. And okay. so, kind of go with your <laughs> forehead, your whole, all your skin of your forehead and probably a degree of your scalp and so forth is innervated by this nerve, okay. ophthalmic? Ophthalmic? Yeah, oh,
0: yeah, op- ophthalmic. Ophthalmic? Oh, yeah, ophthalmic of the trigeminal. Yes, yeah.
2: yeah, sorry. So, we call that V1 because V is 5 in Roman numerals yep. and the first branch of it, V1. Yep is going to be the old stomach.
0: Then wouldn't they do, if it's if V means five, instead of doing one, wouldn't they do I? And then wouldn't it be... Or VV maybe. No,
2: V. Or, no, no, V.
0: Yeah. Um, and so there's the next one, VII. V2. Which v would II. be seven? That's confusing, isn't it?
2: <laughs> so the maxillary branch of the trigeminal is kind of going below your eye down to your, say, bottom lip. Oh, sorry, lip. Yeah, okay. Top lip. Yeah. Okay, so all cheek. That, basically cheek. Yeah, the cheek. And then the, and the last one, the mandibular part, does your lower jaw. All right. Okay. So, that that means all the sensory to that area.
0: That's skin. Okay. So, if I touch my forehead and move all the way down from forehead to cheek to jaw, I'm s- stimulating the sensory aspect of, the tri- of each of the trigeminal branches. Yeah, that's right.
2: Okay. And so, when you have a neurological done or if you were to have a neurological done, or if you're a health professional and you're going to do a neurological yeah. on your Assessment, patient, you may, Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you would test it both in touch, but also for crude, possibly even pain. So, you wouldn't inflict pain, no. but you would use, say, a cotton bud or a cotton ball for touch versus maybe a pin. Mm. And then you would test forehead, cheek, jaw. Well, the both I- sides. Yes, but the
0: interesting thing is that... I mean, even though it has a sensory aspect and a motor aspect that you know one's rarely affected without the other one being affected. So you could test uh the sensory and motor aspects by doing the corneal reflex.
2: Yeah, but right?
0: the, the corneal
2: reflex will have again like the pupil reflex, it will have a sensory and a motor portion. Yeah. And so, the sensory portion is going to be trigeminal, mm. but its motor portion is going to be facial. Okay. Is it? Yeah. Because the motor portion of trigeminal is the muscles of mastication, mm. chewing only. Mm. But that's actually good. Oh, yeah, of course. So, it's actually good because both the pupil reflex and the corneal reflex actually in together two, just by two little tests, test four nerves.
0: Test five and seven. For the corneal reflex? Yeah. Yeah, five and seven. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And you could do that with the unresponsive patient too. So if the patient's yeah, in a right. coma, you could sort of just open the uh, eyelid a little bit and just do the corneal reflex with a cotton bud or a yeah, tissue so or something. Yeah, so not on the coloured part, just no, on no, the border sclera. of
2: the white to the coloured. Yeah, the cornea. That's right. Yeah. So it's a very yeah, the cornea, <laughs> the very <laughs> yeah. sensitive area. That yes. Okay. Um. So since you've said it, the other, or well, the motor portion of the trigeminal is the muscles. To move your jaw. Mm. So these are the chewing muscles. So, ways you chewing. can test that is get your patient to clench their jaw. So, get them to do it themselves. I'm not sure what Michael's doing right now.
0: I'm just clenching my jaw and put my hand under my jaw. I'm okay, trying so to open my mouth. if you
2: get them to clench their jaw, okay, and grit their teeth almost, but <laughs> that's right, you're good. And then you um, can put your. Uh, hands on either side of the jaw and you can feel that muscle that pops up. Mm-hmm. What's that? That's the masseter. Mm-hmm. So that will test. That's trigeminal. Okay.
0: So when I clench my teeth, I feel that you should masseter a bulge muscle sticker. bulge up. Yeah. And so that's that wouldn't come up if my trigeminal wasn't working properly. That's right. Gotcha.
2: Also, the ones in your temporal region. Okay. So that's no, They're the str- always flaring.
0: They're the strongest chewing muscle
2: you got. So that's why, say, carnivores, so r- animals that eat a lot of meat... They have really strong jaws and their temporalis goes right at the top of the head like a dog. If you feel the top of a dog's head, it has a big Mm. kind of ridge at the top because they have all the muscles anchoring on there and it makes it very, very strong. It's like, say, hyenas have a really weird-shaped skull because they have the strongest bite, I think.
0: Wow. Because of the muscles for chewing.
2: Yeah. So, you can test that with your patient, get them to close the jaw and clench it and you can test all those muscles. Give them bone to chew on. All that. Um, and then get them to close their jaw completely and then you resist them opening it. Yeah. And that's, you only have one muscle to open your mouth and that's your pterygoid muscle. Mm. Um, and that's why in most cases, dogs, crocodiles, all that's the, So I can
0: keep a jaw shut yeah, with a rubber band, they right? they
2: have a very weak muscle to open the jaw. Yeah. Okay? I think that's really... That's the main trigeminal. So right. you're doing. What about re-
0: uh, what about ice cream headaches, man? We're going to talk about ice cream headaches. Referred uh, pain through the trigeminal.
2: Well, you do have trigeminal neuralgia, which is very painful. Um, and that's, and that's a type of headache.
0: That's an ice cream headache. So is Isn't that, that just basic constriction I, or something? I th- I was under the impression that it's referred pain. From when you eat ice cream Mm. and it's so cold at the roof of your mouth that you get the vasoconstriction, which irritates the trigeminal, the um, maxillary branch, but then as that feeds back, you get a confusion and you think it's coming from the ophthalmic branch, your forehead and it feels like you're getting a headache. And So all you need to do is stop that, because obviously ice cream is cold and it tells blood vessels to constrict. All you need to do is just heat up the roof of your mouth again and the headache should disappear. It's transient anyway, right? Transient. Yeah, but people suck. They go, start smacking the head. Do they? Well, I did. (laughs) And then that would give you an osmia
2: because you smacked your head too
0: hard. Exactly. And now I've buggered up two cranial nerves. Uh,
2: (laughs) With that, since you spoke about headache, um, because your neurons, or your brain, technically doesn't have pain. So if you were to open someone's skull and just poke it with uh, your finger, or your finger,
0: they wouldn't feel pain. No, that's true. So, what causes a the headache then? Oh, this is—is is this biological or philosophical?
2: No, biological perception. Well, there's only really three types of receptors that can elicit pain from your head. Okay.
0: From your head or into your head?
2: Well, kind of all around that area. Oh, go on. So you've let me got, pull.
0: Let me uh, poke holes in your. Okay. Y- your so you have got the blood vessels. <laughs> yep.
2: All your blood vessels in your brain. Around your brain, around your skull, around your meninges, all that, have pain receptors on the walls. All yes, around that's them. true. And so, when you have possibly a, a vascular issue, like it's dilated, or you get the throbbing headaches. Yes. Okay, so that would, every pulse of blood that goes yep. causes the throbbing. Yep. Then you have all your neck and kind of s- scalp muscles. So, they would get a pain and so that's more the tension headaches. Yes. And so, you get the headaches associated with it comes up your neck into the back of your head.
0: Sometimes into the occipital and you can get yeah. visual
2: deficits. Okay. And then the other one is the meninges. So, they're the kind of pressure headaches which is, can be caused by the increase in pressure in your brain. Yep. So, with pe- people who have increased... Um, Intracrania impression. intracranial pressure. that's what I was looking for um, they get those kind of meningitis headaches yes and that's they,
0: the extreme though you can get irritation of the meninges yeah uh, through dehydration right it? yeah yeah so, so if
2: the brain's either got shrunk in or pushed out yeah yeah that's right and so then I think in addition to that is a trigeminal headache which would be um, what you just said because headache. yeah so you got all the sensory of your face meninges is is also trigeminal
0: what about and, wisdom teeth mate
2: yeah, that's trigeminal. Yep. Um. So, when the, you go to a dentist and they want to pull a tooth out, I've actually had eight pulled out. Eight? Eight. Can you believe it? Uh, so I've no. had four How molars. Have, yeah. Four molars out. Yeah. And I've had my wisdom teeth out.
0: Because of its effect on the trigeminal? No, just because
2: I had big teeth.
0: Big teeth, small <laughs> small jaw? Yeah. Yeah. The probably poor. more big teeth. So, <laughs> So the doctor, the dentist,
2: yeah. had to do, well, for the first four molars had to do local blocks, so sticking needle into Lally-cane. my gum with lignocaine, which is a local anesthetic, mm. blocks the transmission of the nerve, then can pull the tooth out. Mm. So, the dentist would have to have very good knowledge of the anatomy of the trigeminal nerves. Yeah. The branches, particularly the maxilla yep. and the, um, the nibula. And that explains why when you have sinusitis, this occasionally happens to me, when you have sinusitis or you have too much fluid in your, say, maxillary sinus. Yeah. You get numbness in your back teeth. Really? I've Has never
0: had that. Never had that? Never had that. Okay. Do you get that? Yeah, I get that occasionally. Numbness in the yeah, back teeth. Yeah, because it's... So what's it feel like nose. when you chew? Like when you masticate at the back of your jaw? It's more
2: just... You get pins and needles.
0: Weird. Yeah. No, never had that. Never even heard of that. No, haven't No. Oh, well, there nah. you go. Um, all right, we're done with try Trigeminal?
2: Yeah, I think the trigeminal we've done... Facial now. The big... I think we spoke about the best way to test it. Yep. Yeah, I think that's it. All right. And we've done six. We did that with the eye.
0: So facial nerve. Oh, oh, oh. To touch and feel. F is both a sensory and motor nerve. What are we going to talk about with the uh, seventh cranial nerve, the facial nerve, Matthew? So the facial nerve, as it would suggest by its name,
2: is going to go to your face. 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 Okay. Oh, Sean it's, Connery. Now it's coming out. Now we've moved from the ponds down to the ponds medullary area. Yeah. So that it's co- kind of called the Ponto Medullary Junction. Um. So, this nerve again is a mixed nerve. Is that right?
0: That's right. Okay. Both sensory motor.
2: Okay. So it's, so
0: first, what's the sensory?
2: The sensory is kind of. Uh, complicated because yep. it's going to have a degree of special sensory in it, yep. which so is taste. Any hearing? Um, the hearing will be more for the next one. So there's no innovation in the middle ear or anything like that. Maybe that's uh, there's a there's a uh, innovation to a uh, muscle. Yep. of the middle ear, Strapedius. Strapedius, Yeah. Okay. Strapidus. Um Sorry. So let, let's go with the muscles first. The muscles. Okay. Are, it's the muscles of facial expression. So smiles. Yes, yeah, so Sadness. If, you, if you want...
0: Joy. Anger. Good. I'm so a thespian.
2: All the, all the muscles that move your face in expression will be innervated by this nerve.
0: Thorod movement?
2: Yeah. And so there are five branches here, and that is Tzanzibaba Modica.
0: What? Tzanzibaba Modica?
2: Yeah, so T. Yeah. This is doing the mnemonics again. Yeah.
0: T, temporal. Yeah. Two,
2: Zanzi. That's... <laughs> Uh, or Zanzibar, that's zygomatic, bi, buckle, motor, uh, mandibular, car, cervical.
0: To Zanzibar, which is a country, I think. A motor car.
2: An island country in Africa. Yeah. yeah. So, that's the five branches of the facial nerve okay. motor-wise. That's the one we spoke about last week, where they's in India, the anatomists have to dissect it out of the yeah, product.
0: Yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah, so that is the muscles going to your movement. So, basically, it's you getting your patients to do, if you want to test the motor portion, get them to move these muscles. Yeah.
0: Ask them to smile or chuckle or...
2: Yeah, to, again, um, you could resist them, open their eyes. Yeah. Or you try and get them to, get their eyes to close, put your fingers around
0: their eyes and say, open or close, and you try to resist Like Mr. Bean when he was in the church and he had to keep his eyes open. Have you seen that episode? No. Oh, it's very funny. So that's... He's testing his facial That's nervous. testing
2: a part of it. Yep. But also, crinkle your forehead for me, Michael. Crinkle, not... that. Oh, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you want to see these lines, these crinkles in your forehead. I perfectly. just thought I was old. That's, that's some. Then you get them to smile. Okay, good. So Michael looks all right and then you get... <laughs> Thanks. If you get them to kind of do the wrinkled... You know the wrinkled um, neck? Yeah, that's
0: it. Yeah,
2: so it kinda looks like a frill neck lizard. Yeah, that's it. So that to people, the people oh, what about our
0: international listeners? They don't know what a frill neck lizard is.
2: A lizard with a big neck. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> that
0: doesn't help them. Alright. Uh, so all these are facial nerves. Yeah, so okay. now why this is important
2: yeah, go is on. because um one of the signs of a stroke is facial paralysis or facial drooping.
0: That's more sensual, right?
2: Yes, but i am just go with the, that to begin with, right? Okay. So, if a patient presents with facial drooping... Yes. ...you don't know immediately if it is from a higher brain center... Gotcha. ...or a facial nerve palsy. Gotcha.
0: If it's central or peripheral, That's basically.
2: Right. And so, basically, all you need to do is to get them to crinkle their forehead. And so, if they have a facial droop, let's say, on the right side... Mm-hmm. So, all their right side of their body is... Oh, sorry. Right side of their face is drooping. Yeah. If you get them to crinkle their forehead... Okay. Yeah. So, crinkle it for me. That's all right. Go up. So, yeah, look up. Like you're surprised. Yeah, I'm bad at crinkling. There If there they can crinkle, that means it is more likely to be a stroke. Okay. Okay. But if it's absent, okay, it's more likely to be a facial nerve palsy. Okay. Okay. Because the part of your brain... The motor cortex that supplies your um, muscles of your forehead go to both sides of the body. Yeah. So that's why it can be innervated by the other side. So if you have a stroke, which is essentially um, a loss of, what would you say, oxygen to the the part of the neurons. Yeah. Okay. Neurons are dying off because of a bleed. A bleed or Or a A blockage. Okay. That's happening high up in the brain. If they've got facial drooping, just get them to look up, crinkle. And if they can crinkle it's most likely going to be an upper motor neuron issue, like a stroke, which is serious. If they can crinkle. If they can crinkle. Gotcha. Whereas if it's a facial nerve palsy, like...
0: Bell's palsy. Bell's palsy. So
2: that's more to do with the nerve, the facial nerve has been squashed, and then it's been damaged, and then it's de-innervated your
0: muscles. Bell's palsy often happens due to uh, viral infections.
2: Yeah, so... My understanding is the virus goes into the nerve. Herpes zoster. Swells often. it up. Yeah. But where the nerve comes through the skull, it's nerve got a nerve. narrow column, not column, uh, tunnel. Yeah. And it squashes against the tunnel and it kind of not kills off the nerve, but damages no, cause the nerve. No, because the nerve often comes back goes after back. a
0: couple of months yeah. without any ever la- uh, long-lasting damage. Yeah. So... Um,
2: that's how you test between, say, a, a lower motor neuron, which is, say, Bell's palsy, versus an upper motor neuron, which is more likely a stroke.
0: Do you watch Game of Thrones? No. Oh, well, you're a loser. But <laughs> the the mountain on Game of Thrones, everyone who listens, obviously, watch games of Game of Thrones. The mountain off Game of Thrones, the big beast that's there looking after, Cersei, uh in real life, uh, Thor Bjornsson, I think his name is, has currently got Bell's palsy. He's got he's got paralysis of the uh, the facial nerve, I think, of right hand side. Been he's he had can't. it for had it for months, but he's been lifting because he's a he's a power lifter, like World's Strongest Man. Okay. and he's been lifting. If you go on his Instagram, which I have a look at because he's a monster, um, you'll see him when he goes to lift, and you know they make that tough sort of face when they're going to lift a heavy weight. One side makes it; the other side is not making that look. Okay, so he, that's so a, if you tested be, it on him,
2: yeah. Um,
0: he won't be able to crinkle his forehead. He won't be
2: able to crinkle his forehead.
0: Yeah, that's, that's right. So that's an important test. To discriminate. Right. But now, but but uh, facial also plays a role in taste, right?
2: Yeah. So it's a, it's a confusing one. But so this is a, sensory now. There's a spent yeah special sensory. So there's a special little nerve that's called the chordae tympani. Yep. Which kind of um, goes jumps on board with the trigeminal, the lingual nerve, which can be the nerve blocked to pull out your lower teeth. Yeah. At dentist. It jumps on with the lingual nerve to give the taste to the front of your tongue. Yeah, okay. The anterior tongue.
0: Now, as a clinical test, tasting isn't a good one because taste and smell are so intimately linked that you may get a false negative, false positive reading. Okay. You know?
2: um, and the other thing it, the facial nerve does, um, this is, it's parasympathetic, Yeah. is it helps you lacrimate, cry yeah. and salivate.
0: Uh, crocodile tears. Crocodile mate. tears, yeah. Um, Uh, Let's talk more a little bit about the cranial nerve um, 7, so the facial nerve sending one of its little branches to the muscle that's the pedius in the middle ear. So if this is affected and somebody has Bell's palsy, they may have hyperacusis.
2: Yeah, so this is a little muscle that pulls on the eardrum to dull it off if it's too loud.
0: Yeah, but if it's paralyzed... It doesn't do that. ...can't dull it off and they get the... They say the things basically sound louder.
2: Yeah. And actually, going back to what you said about sensory, there is a degree of sensory, just um, probably pain, touch to the eardrum, okay. not not hearing, yeah, but just a bit of. But you don't want to test sensory. that.
0: You don't really want to start it's rubbing a, the eardrum. The
2: ear, well, the eardrum, ear canal mm. is kind of complicated. It has, I think, three different innovations in it. So I think facial, glossopharyngeal, and vagus. And sometimes people who clean the ears can cough or vomit. Yeah, isn't that Wilson's nerve? not sure the guy has
0: Arnold's. It. Arnold's nerve. That's Arnold's nerve. Okay, so there you go. I think that's
2: facial. We've got to... Oh, we got to hurry on. up. Yeah, yeah. So okay. That, that's Number facial, eight. quite complicated. This one's not too bad. This is vestibular cochlear. It has two parts. Um, it has... What's vestibular mean? Vestibular is your balance center. What's cochlear, cochlear mean? is like a shell.
0: Okay. But it's and referring to the inner ear. The
2: hearing... The inner hearing part.
0: So basically, balance and inner ear. Yeah.
2: So it's fairly straightforward. To, this is special sensory. This is a ex, very exclusive nerve. No else in the body. It's giving you this the ability to um, know where your body is in space by your head. Yep. Um, so what your head's doing right, left, forward, back, and acceleration. And also hearing. So deep hearing centers.
0: And you can again test it by low frequency hearing. You can be whispering into the patient's yeah. ear and see. Well, if they, they also
2: can use the vibrating fork, yeah, to put it on their skull, but also to hear it. So there's that Weber's test. Weber's and something else. Remember it? Rinners, Reiner, rinners, is it? Like rinners. Oh. So I think they go and then they can hear it while it's vibrating next to your ear. That's Do you, one. Put not, you put it on the temporal bone. Yeah, and that's conductive deafness, I think. Okay.
0: Good. Is that it? I
2: think that's it. Uh, there's also tests where I so think... So it's obviously a
0: sensory nerve. There's no motor associated with sensor. it. Special, special sensory, special. just being able to hear um, and hearing that light-tuning fork. Isn't it Schwabach's test? Um, no, no sure. Schrobach's they, test is not They one. do
2: put cold water in your ear and they can, that can cause, a I think, an eye movement change. Wow. Anyway, let's move past that. Okay. Nine-glossopharyngeal. It should give the name away. Glossus is... Tongue. And pharyngeal. Back of the throat. Okay. So, this is a ninth nerve. This is a mixed nerve. Okay. It's going to have some special sensory. It's going to have some motor and it's going to have some movement in it, Uh which is the motor, I guess. So, the sensory is all the sensory of the back of the tongue and the back of your throat. Yep. So, this can be another reflex with nine and ten. So, this is again... Probably
0: So, that's vagus and accessory.
2: No, glossopharyngeal and vagus. Sorry,
0: glossopharyngeal, vagus. Yeah, so,
2: uh, again, clinically, this sometimes is advised not to do, but they might get the tongue depressor, you know, that paddle pop stick, Yeah. and they might get the person to stick their tongue out and say, ah. Yeah. As you're saying, ah, the, the doctor can be looking at the... Uvula. Uvula, and if that's deviated in a certain direction that's indication that there could be either a vagus or a pharyngeal or a glossopharyngeal issue. But then they put the um, the tongue depressor to the back of your throat and then hit the back wall. Now, it's sensory. That will cause the person to do... Gag reflex. To, can you just make the sound? Okay. So, that's testing 9 and 10. Okay. So, the 10, the movement of the one to the throw up, that's vagus. Yeah. But the sensory is glossopharyngeal. Okay. Okay. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. It only innervates one muscle. It's pretty small. It's the um, stylopharyngeus. Oh, but what it? it will do is it will give you a taste of your back of your tongue.
0: Okay. But okay. again, not a good way to test yeah. because, yeah, taste and smell. And then, and then you've got the front aspect, which is facial nerve. Yep. So. And the,
2: the other thing it will do is it will give you salivation to the parotid gland. So it will parotid tell you... gland salivary pro- gland next to the ear. That's right. And so that's parasympathetic function.
0: And that's the glossopharyngeal. Glossopharyngeal. All right.
2: All right, so go. that's nine done. We're almost there. Vegas. So this is the probably longest running nerve, number ten. it, go, it goes everywhere, not everywhere, but it's long been distance. everywhere, man. That's why it's called the Vegas, the, the the wandering nerve. Um, okay, so some of the stuff it does. So basically, to test this nerve clinically, what the um, the doctor would get the patient to do is just get them to talk and swat or swallow. Yeah. If they can't coordinate this properly, so if they've got hoarseness or some speech issues or they can't swallow, chances are the vagus has some issues. All right. Okay, because the vagus is quite complicated, but it has two nerves that branch off the recurrent laryngeal and the superior laryngeal, which kind of go all around your larynx. Right. Yeah. So control your speech, all the little muscles to move your
0: vocal cords. So that's a simple one for, for vagus. You just get somebody to talk. Yeah. And if they've got hoarseness... If they sort of sound, Oh, they talk like this or they can't control it very yeah.
2: well. Yeah, or they can't cough. They cough like a cow. How
0: does a cow cough? <laughs> <laughs>
2: they can't... Like, for us, we close our vocal cords to let the air go out. Yeah. I don't think they can do that. So they just
0: go... <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I never watched. <laughs> you watch cows cough. <laughs> uh, that's shameful
2: uh, other thing it does is it goes it's a uh, parasympathetic so it's going to go all to your heart to your um, airways airways down to your gut, gut. we spoke with that in the parasympathetic yeah um now with this verse, with this nerve there's a this nerves. Um, you can have a reflex or a mismanaged reflex which oh, I yes. have
0: yeah oh can I can I can I please which
2: is called the vasovagal... Vaso-
0: vagal. Syncope. Yeah, so... Syncope means to pass out. Yeah, so... vasovagal is referring to the effect that the vagus system has on blood vessel diameter. Yeah. And uh, if you stimulate it, it basically will redirect blood flow away from your brain to mm. your legs. Uh, or just away. Or not, just not away th- to your periphery, um, not going to your brain which means your brain doesn't get the blood it needs and it switches itself off and you pass out. Now, this can happen a number of different ways, all of which stimulating the vagus nerve. And you can do this stimulation of the vagus nerve Uh through, what's it called when you...
2: Oh, uh. yeah. Um, mind blank.
0: You're doing a poo. And everything's tensed up. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, it's mind blank. Mind I don't blank, know why I can't
0: remember it either.
2: It'll come to me. It'll come to me. Keep yeah. talking.
0: Um, so basically, you can stimulate the vagus nerve through fear. So you can scare somebody, um, which is like a sympathetic, parasympathetic rebound effect. Um, you can do it through that tensing. Like 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 if you, uh, like I said, trying to do a big poo <laughs> and you're blocking everything off. You're blocking your airways off and you're increasing your abdominal pressure. This can also stimulate the vagus nerve as well. And the stimulation of the vagus nerve can cause somebody to pass out. So, some people may pass out when they're pooping, but this also happens when you're vomiting. And uh, Matthew, Dr. Matt, Matt, uh, poor guy, every time he vomits, (laughs) he passes out. Yeah,
2: for some reason, most recently, so the last probably four four bouts of vomiting I've had, I keep waking up on the ground. That's... So you have a big dri- so to vomit, you have to have a big drive of vagus stimulation to stomach. Yes. To coordinate all those three layers of muscles to your stomach, you need a big vagal drive. And I guess what happens with me as I'm driving the stomach to vomit, it doesn't. It over overcompensates. The is valsalva movement. It? Valsalva. valsalva. It's the
0: valsalva
2: movement. It over, overcompensates too much, and I don't get enough blood to my brain, and therefore
0: I faint. That's not cool. No, it's not cool. God. So yeah. So this uh, vasovagal syncope, um, vas- uh, valsalva maneuver can affect the. Uh, the what you it. was
2: telling me, but it was someone. If it wasn't you, it was someone else. Yeah, obviously.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs>
2: who said? Because um, I told them about my vasovagal. Yeah. And I think they said, "Well, that's nothing." Yeah. Um, their brother or something like yeah. that. Um, when they go to the toilet, they'll faint.
0: Yeah, bowel movements.
2: No, just a bit of straining.
0: Wow. They'll just
2: faint. So, the, the amount of time they've passed out and woken up in a public toilet wow. is innumerable. Wow. So, I guess I'm lucky in that compared to
0: that. So, you can, you can use it. You can use that Valsalva maneuver to... If you've got supraventricular tachycardia, yeah, right. so your heart rate's going like 200 beats a minute... You can uh, do the pooing maneuver, valsalva maneuver, and because of its vagal stimulation, and remember the vagus parasympathetic nerve goes to the heart, tells it to slow down, hmm. you can slow down supraventricular tachycardia.
2: Yeah, there's there's easier ways than probably that. Um, you Drugs. Can, you can do a, or <laughs> well, that one as well, but you can do a crotted massage. So if you find where you're... Yeah, be careful though. because That's right. Be careful because you might throw a clot off.
0: Cause so there, don't do it.
2: So just but just to say where the procedure lies. <laughs>
0: just to tell you how internal not to do. External external
2: carotid is kind of I think about C three, which yeah. is kind of the angle of your mandible. Yeah. That area there. If you were to massage it with your fingers and take your heart rate, it theoretically should drop.
0: But also could loosen up a little plaque.
2: Well, there is commonly plaques in that region because it's a high velocity flow area. So And
0: it's a and uh, large diameter artery. That's Usually right. large diameter arteries love having uh, deposits.
2: The other way you can get a person to drop is <laughs> um, You mean through tachy- tachy- Super tachycardia, supraventricular tachycardia is yeah. put their head in a bucket of ice.
0: Oh, to get their blood uh, I think it's a reflex, to, isn't it? Yeah, the yeah, the diamond reflex. Yeah, I think that drops their heart. But I don't rate. think ev- do we all have the diamond reflex? Yeah, I think we all do. Oh, okay. All right, so there's that. That's there's the vagus, vagus nerve. nerve.
2: So the vagus nerve does a lot of muscles in your back of your throat, helps you talk, helps you swallow. Very important there. Yep. It also does all your parasympathetic stuff. And uh, I think that's really it.
0: Accessory, than hypoglossal. Let's do it. There's
2: probably a lot more there, but I think oh, that's look, Oh, look,
0: we, it's already been an hour and 18 minutes. So <laughs> if the accessory still
2: nerve, the accessory nerve is... Um, number 11, it's got two parts to it. It has a spinal accessory yeah. and a cranial accessory. Now this is what I'll go with the cranial first. Its output is in the medulla. okay Now it's technically said that the vagus motor and the glossopharyngeal motor comes with the cranial accessory. and because that's so complicated, they call the nucleus the nucleus ambiguous which makes sense because they have no idea I have no what's idea thing. yeah
0: but but you test them all together right yeah that's right so yeah.
2: all the pharyngeal muscles technically technically come out of the cranial part of this uh, accessory but there'd be no way to separate it really i don't think that's but this spinal accessory remember we said about um, evolutionary we had the nerves outside then come back in yeah the cranial sorry the spinal accessory is where it's come out and gone in and okay. so this is where you innovate, the traps and the SCM.
0: Shoulder shrugs.
2: So what to test this the spinal accessory, which is your trapezius, the tra, a trapezoid, is that right? Trapezioid is a triangle, isn't it? Yeah. So that's the muscle at the back. So if you were to take the skin off and then some fat off, yep. the first muscle you would see is this big triangle muscle. Yeah. And that's your, trape- your traps or trapezius muscle. Yeah. So, to test that, you'd get... You put your hands on the back of your patient and get them to shrug. On the shoulders. And they would
0: be and equal on both sides.
2: Yeah. Okay. The other one is that neck muscle at the front mm. that helps you turn your head on either side. Now, interestingly with this, to turn to the, your right, so to look over your right shoulder... Yeah, doing ...you it. need your left. Left what? Sternocleidomastoid muscle. Oh. And if to turn left, you need your right. Okay. Oh. So, just to confuse you here, yeah. um, to test the nerve, if they can't turn to the right, that would be a dysfunction with the left nerve. Left or, or, or right? The left. Because you've got to use the
0: other muscle to do the opposite thing. That's so contralateral yeah. to the movement. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, all interesting. right, that's accessory. Hypoglossal. This is the last one. This is, this the last is nerve motor nerve.
2: So, what do you think it is by its name?
0: Hypo means under. Glossal means tongue. Yeah. So it's under the tongue nerve. Yeah. Am and I right?
2: So this this nerve has been pulled in from your occipital uh, muscle group. So wow. it, it's pulled it from your neck. Yeah. All the way around. And into moves your, your tongue.
0: tongue. So it's motor for tongue. Moves your yeah. tongue around. And that's. That's basically it, that's right? It. So, it's just motor So, get only. your patient to sp- poke their tongue out at you. Yeah. So, you See can if test it deviates. It by a couple of
2: things. You could just get them down with their mouth. Yeah. And with their tongue on the bottom, look at their tongue closely. And if it um, is wasted, yeah. so if one side is kind of less than the other, or it shakes, which is called vesiculations. Yeah.
0: Looks like a bag of worms. Yeah. That's a problem.
2: Or if you get them to point it straight out, but it deviates to a side, that would deviate to the problem
0: side and it could again be indicative of upper motor neurons if something's happening like, like a motor neuron disease motor neuron disease could result in muscle wasting yeah, sure. of the tongue
2: but i think with the with a lower motor neuron you get the fasciculations, not the fasciculations
0: like uh, like ALS like amyotrophic lateral sclerosis like lou gehrig's disease okay um can. the tongue's the um like the the fibrillations is what's most suggestive of ALS. Oh, is it? Yes.
2: I always thought because vesiculations is usually a lower motor neuron. But there you go.
0: Yep. So yeah, the, um, so that's
2: the twelve cranial nerves. Yep. I guess we took an hour and twenty minutes. But they are.
0: You know why? Very important. The whole ALS thing with the tongue. Why? Because the tongue is the only place in the body where single muscle fibers are seen in the natural setting. Okay. So single muscle fibers. So if you've got oh, right. amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or motor neuron disease, you know if it's going to affect those motor neurons, uh, and you see fasciculations. You see the tongue sort of pulsing, pulsing. Like fibrillations. you know, you get, a, you get the eye flickering. Yeah, so you get the fibrillations, but the eye flickering isn't a sign of motor neurons. But the flickering of the tongue, yeah, uh, is a sign of motor neurons. There you go. Or you can uh, anyway. So all that's good. your
2: 12 cranial nerves, make sure you know that they're paired, make sure you know they're parasympathetic, sorry, they are peripheral, not central. Yeah. Um we've gone through all all of them individually. Um you should know them all. Absolutely. By name, you should know if they're and sensory,
0: nature. motor, or yep. both. So again, Oh, 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 to touch and feel very good velvet are heaven. And then, whether they're sensory motor or both, some say marry money, but my brother says big brains matter most.
2: There you go. And you should also know how they may present clinically and how you would test them.
0: Everybody, if you want to contact us, you can send us an email, gubiosciences at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel where we basically teach all this stuff visually. Uh, it's biological sciences, uh, and just type in biological sciences, and you'll see myself or Matthew standing there bouncing around in front of the in front of the camera. You can contact us on social media, Twitter at GU Biosciences. You can also contact us individually on Twitter. I'm I don't even know. I'm at Mikey Todd. And what are you, at Dr. Bartox? Dr. Bartox. Uh, we've got Instagram, at GU Biosciences. We've got Facebook. Just type in Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us, or at least you like the content, please go on iTunes and give us a good review, both verbally. Oh, well, not verbally. You can type it in and give us five <laughs> stars because uh, that allows for more people to see what we're doing and help other. We just like helping people. That's yeah. what we do. And
2: like always, suggestions for topics and corrections if Michael is wrong.
0: We love yous all. See ya. Bye.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus…